1 Samuel 8, 1 to 22. Uh, what happens here is that God has already redeemed the people from slavery in Egypt. He's brought them out. He's brought them through the, uh, the desert. He's given them the Ten Commandments. And even brought them into the promised land, and they have lived in the promised land, and he has raised up judges uh, throughout time. However, they decided that wasn't good enough. They wanted something else. And that's where we have 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 22. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, We do thank you for this day that you have made, and we thank you for the ways that you provide what we need, even though sometimes we don't recognize what it is that we need. And God, we know that sometimes you give us what we ask for, even when it's not what we need. God, we pray that you would, that you would change our hearts that we would want more what you want for us than what we want for ourselves. That we would trust in your love and care for us more than we trust our own eyes and ears, emotions. God, we pray that, that you would do this work by your word and by your spirit. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel 8, verses 1 through 22. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old. Nice opening. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Can you imagine a government taking a tenth? Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and your, you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. 
the Lord will not answer you on that in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, Everyone go back to your own town. Turning then all the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, Grace and peace to you from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. We have been... Looking at the Lord's Prayer, the way that Jesus taught in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and we'll read again Matthew five, uh, Matthew six, five through fifteen. Although we'll be focusing really just on one small verse, verse ten. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I said that the verse that we are looking at today is verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There it is. As we typically say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is really still the beginning part of the Lord's Prayer where, um, as N.T. Wright puts it, the problem with the, uh, the part about give us this day our daily bread is that we normally get there too fast because we tend to skip over our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we tend to skip over thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we go straight into, here's what I need. Give it to me now. Don't we? So we're going to slow down and we're going to take a look at what just this one part is talking about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me tell you, what it's talking about is much bigger than uh, one sermon is going to cover. So we'll be looking at some, some of these kingdom ideas as Jesus uses parable after parable after parable to talk about what the kingdom of God is about later on this fall. But for now, we're going to just look at even just a part of that so we can get a glimpse. And here's part of the problem. One of the problems is uh, we don't have kings. We have presidents. We have Congress. And uh, so when we hear about kings and kingdom, there's a part of that that sounds remote, sounds distant, that sounds foreign, sounds weird. But when uh, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, that's really kind of a central thing, very central to his preaching and teaching. And in, in fact... If you look right at the very beginning of Mark, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So here it is. Jesus is preaching the gospel. What does he say the good news is? The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is what Jesus was preaching. The kingdom of God. And as he goes along, he's constantly giving parables. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Although people really need to know about the kingdom of God. And sometimes we hear these words and we think, king, kingdom, skip that part. But no, don't skip it. As we read in 1 Samuel, God is always to be the king. God is always the one who is to be reigning and ruling. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Is where God is reigning and ruling over his people, over his creation. And this is to be good news. There's a problem, though. And that is that generally it's not good news. At least not received that way. And in fact, it can't be good news until it's bad news. What am I talking about? Explain. There are two gardens. There are uh, the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. We have two very different responses to God as the king. And in the Garden of Eden, we have God saying, this 
is my creation. You are my creation. You are uh, in my image as the, my children. And here's how you are to live in this garden. You can eat from any tree except this one. And what happened? Did they approach the tree and they say, it looks good, it looks like it's pleasing to the eye and good for food, and it looks like it might give us wisdom, but thy will be done. No, they didn't. You know how the story goes. They said, we don't understand why God wouldn't have done this, so we'll have some, because it looks good to us. And everything broke down. Fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is praying on the night that he is to be crucified. And he says, I would really like to not have to do it this way. I don't want to have to go to the cross. I don't want to have to go through that pain, that humiliation, that separation from my Father. Not my will, but your will be done. This is what Jesus is teaching all Christians to pray. Not the prayer of uh, the Garden of Eden, but the prayer of Gethsemane. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. And here's the thing. That's what the whole kingdom of God is all about. When we are in our everyday situations and we start praying, we usually are saying, All right, God. Here are my plans. Here are my ideas. Here are the ways that I think things should go. And now I need you to be kind of the, the kickstart to get it going or the power to make it happen. But I'll be the planner. I'll be the king. And you can be my servant. But that's not how this works. That's where we forget who it is that we've been talking to. This is what the whole book of Job is about, by the way. You remember um, in the book of Job, all these bad things happen to him at the beginning, and you spend the whole rest of the book where Job is saying, I don't understand. The way that I've always looked at things, this shouldn't be happening. This isn't right. And God should know better. And then at the end, God steps in and says, you have forgotten who you're talking to. He doesn't say, let me explain to you why I've done it. What he says is, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I put everything into place? And it's just that change of perspective that makes Job say, oops, and go silent. Sometimes we're, we hear that first line in the Lord's Prayer. It says, our Father. And we say, what a wonderful thing to have this close relationship with God where it is uh, our Father that we're praying to. And so uh, sometimes with family closeness, uh, you, you do tend to talk to family a little differently than you might talk to others. A little too familiar sometimes. But when we get to the second line, we remember who our Father is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Our Father is the King of the universe. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. 
This is who we get to call our Father. But let's not forget He's also the King. And we say, Your kingdom come. And here's the thing. Here's where I say this is bad news before it can become good news. When we say, Thy kingdom come, that is good news to everyone who is on God's side. The bad news is, by nature, we're not. By nature, every single one of us makes the same choice as Adam and Eve. Every single one of us doesn't pray, Thy kingdom come. We all pray, My kingdom come. And sometimes, we accidentally read and pray the Lord's Prayer. And when we say, Thy kingdom come, we mean, My kingdom come. And we want to wrap it with God. But it still looks like My kingdom. And we want to see how God can build our kingdoms. And then when we pray thy kingdom come, what we are really meaning by that looks an awful lot like what it would look like if we got all our wishes and dreams and desires. We don't get to be king. He gets to be king. And what Jesus is teaching us to pray is before we even get to any of the asking for any of our things is to remember who God is. Remember that He is the King. And to remember that praying for His kingdom to come is good news. Here's why. See, we would say it's bad news first because when He comes in fullness, He wipes out all that is opposed to Him. It's bad news when we are opposed to him, and by nature we all are. But, this is where Jesus comes in proclaiming the good news that the kingdom has come, and it's come in the person of Jesus. And that he came not to bring judgment on sin, but to bear the sin. In other words, Jesus is the answer to how can God's kingdom come, how can he wipe out all the evil without wiping us out? If we are all opposed to him, if we are the enemies of the king and the rightful king shows up, we are in trouble. Unless Jesus comes first. Unless he comes as the one to take the sin. To give us his spirit. The one who says, now as sons and daughters of the king, rather than enemies... You can pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And you can mean it. Now, how does that good news translate then into today and into our lives? Here's the thing. This is not just about uh, our relationship to God, but also our relationship to this world. Because the kingdom of God is something that is breaking into the world. It started in Jesus and uh, when he first came. And it will be fulfilled when he comes again. But in the meantime, we are all kingdom agents. And so when we are praying, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We're also praying through me. Do that through me. I want you to rule over the whole of creation. But it starts with how you rule with me.
and that goes out then into the rest of the world. I was this one. Our book of polity and discipline, which we were just going over in our new members class this morning. Get a double dose of this. Um, in the very first section, one of the lines is that each congregation should strive to be a tangible, if provisional, demonstration of the kingdom of God. That's one of the things that the church ought to be about, is that we should be what it looks like when God is reigning over his people. And as we interact with each other and as we interact with everyone else, it should look like people who are praying for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done in our lives and in the world. You can probably already think of situations in your life or in our town that are not in line with that at all. This is the good news of Jesus who comes to put us right with God and who gives us what we need as we need it to be able to pray and to be able to live in step with the kingdom. That we can pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I told you at the beginning we will look a lot more at the kingdom in future weeks. For the next few weeks we're going to continue through this prayer. Um, for now, as with last week, your homework assignment is to pray. To pray this prayer. Start just with what we've gone through so far. <clears throat> just those first, uh, first lines. And really consider what that means as you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth even now, on earth, as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.